Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the IDS Freedom Podcast. I am Nikki, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Amy Hollenkamp, RD extraordinaire. And Hello, today, everybody. <laughs> and oh, today, delayed. we are, it was beautiful nonetheless. We are talking about the creepiest of the creepy crawlers. We are talking all about parasites. <laughs> so, um... This, this is going to be an interesting episode, I think. Um, but let's let me kick it off to you, dear Amy, and let me see if you have any opening remarks for us. And then we'll get into our experience with parasites. Um, yeah, I'm just yes. Curious. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like parasites is one of those things that's really popular now maybe it's always been there like somewhat but I feel that there's more of a wave of popularity of parasites being a a big thing in terms of gut health and something that could be negatively affecting your gut health so I, I do think it's a really hot topic I would say in terms of parasites and I'll I'll be interested to hear your take on it but I find that they're similar to SIBO. There's a usually a heavy hand with aggressiveness towards parasites mm-hmm. that, you know, I wonder, I doubt that everyone needs to be as aggressive as most people yeah. go. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing I'm seeing. But I mean, there's certainly some parasites that can be problematic and that can maybe raise some hell in your gut that we can explore on this podcast. But yeah, I'm glad we're jumping into it because I do think it's a hot topic. And I find that a lot of the strategies tend to be pretty heavy handed with clearing. Yeah, with probably not enough focus on looking at the gut ecology as a whole, Mm -hmm. making sure, you know, your good microbes are supported. Um, So that's kind of my general take. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on parasites. Oh, and I will add too, parasites are always the things that I get poop pics, random poop pics for, like from (laughs) clients. I will say, and if any clients are listening, give me a warning in the subject line if you're going to send me a poop pic before I open anything. That would be much appreciated. Yes. Than just a poop pic, no subject line warning. (laughs) And then you open it at a Starbucks and the people right. behind you are like judging you for your hobbies. <laughs> right, right. What's this girl into? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I Luckily, the times when that has happened for me, people will like text or email first and ask, is it okay if I share right. a picture of my poop? And then I have the option um, to decline if I want to, or I'm at least mentally right. prepared. Um, right. But yeah, I think... Let me ask you this controversial question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think parasites are overdiagnosed, underdiagnosed, or right the spot, right spot on? I think overdiagnosed would be mine. Well, and I think too, it's almost like hydrogen sulfide SIBO. Like mm. I feel though, as though people are like, oh, we can't find anything else. Could be a parasite that's not on a a stool test. And maybe, again, like your stool testing shows some parasites that are registered. Yep. Um, Specifically, like the GI map has parasites that they flag. And and I know that like life cycle of a parasite can affect how it shows up on a test, Mm -hmm. too. So 
I just find a lot of times it's overdiagnosed or, and maybe even that's the, the wrong way of putting it. It's overemphasized. Over hypothesized. Right. Like it's, there's too much energy going just to the parasite instead of energy around the whole environment of the parasite and analyzing the whole case in the context of you having that parasite. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Um, that I think what I've observed and why I asked that question to start us off is that I've observed there there are people who I think have parasites and they are not adequately diagnosed. And right. then when they when they are, it's like, whoa. Like yeah. I still remember there was this one lady that I worked with and she had she had been told she had IBS. She had celiac disease. She was gluten-free, still right. really bloated, diarrhea. She had Giardia. Oh, God. Like, yeah. Giardia. And this was not some fancy schmancy functional medicine right. lab. Like, this was LabCorp. Right. And all her provider had to do was order a freaking stool test. And nobody did this for her. And then it turned out she had Giardia. And yeah. we were scratching our heads. She was like, where did I get Giardia? And I remember her saying, she's like, I don't go anywhere. Like, I don't travel. I don't leave. Right. I just, I, I like, I walk to the dog park with my two golden retrievers a couple times a day. That's it. Yeah. And she, like, worked from home before it was cool. Like, she was like, I don't know where I would have picked this up. And I was like, beats me. But let's nuke it. So, yeah. like, right. you know, there are people out there. And I think I was an example of this. Hashtag don't drink the creek water, kids. But, like, oh, man, I... I'm sorry that I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to bring that up before you. No, I really no. Wanna... Oh, it I was bound to come poster. up. I it was bound hold, to had out. it in my holster to talk about your creek water incident. So you know what's I guess fabulous, I'm glad you brought it up. You know what's fabulous? So two of my old roommates from college who are on my team, uh, both of them have dealt with chronic severe iron deficiency in their adulthood. And it occurred to me mm. a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh my God, I should send them our iron episode. Maybe there's something helpful in there. And both of them, no, yeah, I think both of them got back to me and said, hey, thanks for sending that. And at least one of them said, I told you not to drink that creek water. So we must have mentioned it in the iron episode oh because Maggie got back to me and was like, I told you not to drink that water. I was like, I oh. know. Anyway, so Maggie, you were right. I was Wait, wrong. So did you have Giardia? I did. So I actually pulled up my stool test Ooh, to discuss. Okay. Yeah, I found it in the archives. And what it says here is uh, cryptosporidium was positive. Mm. And oh. I'm quoting... Parasite present, taxonomy unavailable, was positive. So I you had, had a had an mystery thing. Parasite? I had an unknown parasite. It would have resided in the Tonawana Creek in Amherst, New York. Right. Maybe we should um, just name it Tonawana. That'd be fantastic. Yes, it's the Tonawana parasite. Yes. But like, and it says right here, it says a taxonomy unavailable finding likely indicates an ingested protozoan and not a human parasite. It does not indicate uh, it does not indicate treatment unless patient symptoms and other inflammatory markers are consistent with parasite infection. But I had I had another one too. Um, yeah, I just I I chuckle because I'm like I had two parasites, one of which they couldn't even identify. Like, and this was years and years after I drank that stupid creek water. So Lord knows if these were fresh or if they were in me for right. for a couple of years. I don't even know. But I do think that there are people who right. could have a parasitic infection and then they go undiagnosed and then when they get the answer it's like oh and then they feel better but right. 
the promise of that, the possibility of that is so sexy and tempting to people who are still suffering that I do think that there's many more people like for every one person where that first scenario is the truth. There's probably 10 people who have convinced (laughs) themselves that they must have parasite because they have treated their SIBO 10 times with Rifaxman and nothing has helped. Or they have done every restricted diet. They're down to 10 foods and they still have bloating. And it must therefore be something exotic like a parasite. So I think that's much more common as opposed to people like me and this other patient who had a full-blown parasite and had no idea. Right. Well, and I think that too, I mean, parasites are such a broad spectrum of things. I think we always think creepy crawly with parasites, like they all must be bad. But again, we don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of every parasite either. True. And how it's affecting things. And I'd imagine, again, it's similar to like bacteria. Like there could be some parasites that could be doing some beneficial things in your body. Yeah. And like there is some really nasty parasites that you don't want, like Giardia. Like you definitely want to get Giardia under control. Yeah, um, that's the thing. It's a spectrum between right. re- real nasty and quite possibly <laughs> beneficial. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally do think, agree. you know, I will say that is one thing that I appreciate about the GI map as an example. Um, this is not my stool test of choice these days, but I will say they organize it so that first page of the report is all mm-hmm. pathogens. And yes. those things, like if you look at that list, Vibrio cholera, Salmonella, Shigella, Campylobacter, yeah. like those are clearly bad, bad bacteria. And if you look at the parasites, it says Cryptosporidium, uh, Giardia, and Entamoeba histolytica. Like, okay, yeah, those are three parasites right. that you don't want. So I'm willing, if something shows up positive on that first page of the report, what are those three? Right. I'm willing to say, yeah, we're going after some parasites. Right. But further down the, the pipe, you know, if somebody comes <laughs> back with like, um, like, I think I've seen some cases from this report with endoloxema nana. And I've tried looking it up. And I'm like, I don't know if we really know a lot about this one. Right. I don't, I don't know if I want to go in guns blazing. Or even like blastocystis hominis. Mm-hmm. Now there's some evidence like the, the probiotic advisor guy has a good yep. uh, course on this. Like blastocystis quite possibly is either neutral or maybe beneficial. And it yeah. could be a sign of good bacterial diversity. It's He equated it to an apex predator, kind of like if you want Yosemite National Forest to be healthy, you need the wolves there to, yeah. you know, make sure that like the, I don't know, the deer don't overgrow or I don't know. You get the idea though. Like you need that apex predator in place to keep the ecosystem healthy. So if you took away the wolves, that would be a bad thing for, you know, Yosemite versus, you know, maybe blastocystis is actually a good thing to have around. And just because right. it's labeled as a parasite, maybe we're going after it too much. So I don't know. And I'm definitely guilty of that, too. I've had cases where, like, I saw blastocystis and I thought it needed treatment. And now in the last couple of years, I realized uh, maybe yeah. that's less the case than we thought Um but yeah, I think that there's some gray zone in between where like not every parasite requires treatment and not everybody who thinks that they have parasites actually has a parasite. Yeah, I think blasto is a really interesting one because I 
I feel like in the functional medicine space, there tends to be a heavier hand with blasto. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've found that, but maybe it's because I'm thinking specifically of this one client that I had. And I'm, I think there was a, we were looking at a GI map, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And like her good, like her fecalobacterium, her acromancia bacterium were like not like D, DL, mm-hmm. below detectable limit. So like pretty low. And, but she also had a little bit of blasto. It wasn't over the like threshold. It was okay, kind of yeah. registered. You know how they have the, the yeah, detected, but not overgrown. <clears throat> right. Um, so, and I think she might've had a little bit of H. pylori, but again, we could talk more about GI map and H. pylori, but like she had some yeah. different stuff to potentially attack. And she had a lot of upper GI symptoms. So I think at the time I'm like, let's sort of just like focus on trying to get stomach acid where it needs to be, work on building up some of the good microbes. I'm not really super concerned about the blasto at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And she was she was working with another provider who was very adamant to like just torch the bla- like torch the blasto, like or and she and I do think I, I remember the probiotic advisor also says like the strain might matter a little bit mm, yep even that again is a little hypothetical we probably need more evidence yeah. anyway but um so she was like we have to figure out the strain and just getting really hyper focused on the blasto but but i do find that blasto is one that people are very can be pretty heavy-handed at and prescribe things yeah. like alinea for mm. um which again, I just don't know if that's really warranted when you, it, and again, you, I would want to make sure other factors were in line before I'd go after a parasite like blasto. Yeah. When there's conf- a lot of conflicting evidence with it and the person's not necessarily showing symptoms of that yeah. specific bug, bug and it's not even overgrown according to the, according yeah. to the test. So, yeah, according to Gianna. Right. Well, and for what it's worth, I've noticed this on these reports. I have yet to see one come back positive. Um, but on the Somogen Gut Biome Plus, they do show the four different uh, yep. subtypes. So mm-hmm. I could see there's a Blastocystis species DMP02328. There's a Blasto subtype 1, 3, and 4. Um, yeah. For my report that I have here, handy here, all of them were at 0%, which they deemed average. But yeah, you you could apparently get a little bit more information about subtype with that test. But other than this one test, I don't know of a single test that does the subtyping on Blasto. I've never seen yeah. it before other than this one. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. And, and I think too, like the, the, and I'm glad you brought it up, the outright pathogens that are parasites is a totally different story yeah. I just find, again, I, this might be like my population of people that are coming to me and maybe it's because they are like desperate to like mm-hmm. find that they just haven't killed that one thing yet yep. that, that's yep. holding them back. But I just find that there will be like something on a GI map that shows up. Um, maybe it's Blasto. Maybe it's one of the other ones. Um, and I, I will give them credit even when you look at the GI map like interpretation guide on some of these things Mm. and get a little bit more like they're not a lot of them are like strong killing approaches like 
some some of them are like, oh, analyze symptoms, like, does it make sense? Like, there's still a level of analysis you have to do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that's typically, again, what I'm seeing a lot of is, is sort of like taking a low level of something on a GI map and blowing it up to something maybe bigger than it yeah. truly is. Or again, maybe that's there, but you'd be a lot better off focusing on building up your bifido or building up your fecalibacterium, yeah. or building up your mucosal defenses um, yeah. so that nothing's kind of overgrown um, yeah. is sort of my, my take on it. Well, and one of the things too, especially with Giardia, is that a lot of parasites, like there will be damage from... Someone Sorry, knocking at your I, door? No, it's I'm next door to a Domino's of all the places. I'm like the gluten and dairy free <laughs> right. person. And I'm right next door to Domino's. And every now and then they just they make a ruckus. So uh sorry mm. you guys if you heard that. Domino's. Um you would do evil gluten. So anyway, um one of the things God, where was I where was my train of thought going before I got distracted by the Domino's people making a ruckus? Um Shoot. Well, hopefully the thought comes back to me. That's yes. that's a little bit of a brain fart moment. Well, that's okay. That um, is okay. What I I think what I was going to say is that again, I do I think that there's this element of like desperation, people looking for answers, wanting answers, and honestly, who would not find the concept of holy grail super appealing? Like right. if you had just one thing that you needed to kill and then you were done, and like your IBS magically disappeared after you killed that one magical thing. Like, oh, all day, every day, we would look for that one thing. Right. But it's usually not that simple. Even with the patient who had Giardia, it was like a huge, whoa, we need to what, treat right. this. And treating it until stool testing came back negative was one part of the journey. But there was, oh, this was the point I was starting to make, is that there is damage that is done by the parasite itself. And then there's oftentimes a wake of inflammation or dysbiosis or epithelial damage, and you right. need to correct those as well. So it's not even <laughs> just about killing the Giardia, even though Giardia is very worthy of killing. Like, yeah, you treat the Giardia, but then you have to focus your efforts on things like microbiome diversity and rehabbing that ecosystem that was just decimated and patching up the gut epithelial barrier, aka if you have a leaky gut, you got to treat that. You got to right. treat the inflammation and basically just kind of soothe your poor gut because it just went right. through a lot. So it's like, don't don't hyper-focus on the killing of the parasite. Make sure that you're still doing the healing work and make sure that you, you know, you want to have a good healthy immune system that is capable of helping you overcome parasites and you want a good healthy epithelial barrier and you want a good healthy microbiome. It's it's really not as simple. Even when you do have the one smoking gun, it's right. never about the one smoking gun. Um, so I wanted to make that point for starters. But I know for Giardia, I've seen some research that one of the ways that it does its nasty bidding is that it leaves behind a wake of dysbiosis and yeah. lower microbial diversity. So in particular, if you've ever had Giardia, you probably need to focus a lot of your effort on rehabbing the diversity and the ecosystem in your gut, as opposed to just like nuking it and moving on with your life. So right. it's worth. Right. No, I think that's such a good point. And I think it's a good point that focusing on building up your defenses again, after really any 
pathogenic type infection. Yeah. But I think especially for Giardia um, is super, super key. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on um, like your strategies. Like if you saw someone that had Giardia, what would be your strategies you would jump into early on, like your clearing strategies or what sort of stuff would you do for that compared to maybe something like a blasto or like some of these other, like not as pathogenic, but more overgrowth. Yeah. Based parasites. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good conversation. Um, So for Giardia, I don't remember what I did with that particular patient because I probably worked with her like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, But it still, it stands out in my memory. It was like, whoa. Right. Right. so it goes to show you like how uncommon it is to catch Giardia in right. in this type of practice. Um, but I think we did some combination of garlic and oregano and maybe something else that's eluding me right now. But I know I've seen research on garlic, even to a point like if you crush up a garlic clove and just eat that. I think yeah. like you do that a couple times a day and within a few days, the Giardia is gone. Um, mm. So even just like simple... FODMAPy yummy garlic could go a long way, uh, raw particularly. Uh, but I think we did like some garlic capsules because she couldn't bear the thought of gagging down raw garlic. Yeah. Um, and I think we did some oregano. I think I remember seeing some research on that. I would have to look up what I did with her. Um, but those I think are the two big ones for something like Blasto. I don't nowadays. I don't know if I would mess with it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the other big category that I've seen mostly from GI map testing is worms. I have mm-hmm. seen a moderate amount of like old world hookworm and new world hookworm come back mm-hmm. positive, um, and those I'm usually willing to treat. Also, but honestly, right. I wouldn't even bother with the hippy dippy stuff. Um, the couple times I've seen those pop up, I've actually had patients bring in their test results to their primary care and ask for a couple days script of an antiparasitic. Yeah. I forget which one now I would have to look at it. I wrote it down, but like, if you look up some of these like dewormer drugs, basically marvelously effective, you take a dewormer for like three <laughs> days and it's like 97% effective. Like why yeah. on earth, why would you bother with two months of oregano and berberine and artemisian? Or whatever it might right. be. Like, why would you bother if you could do three days of a prescription and have like a 95 or 97% clearance rate? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so honestly, right. that's the route I would go with that. Um, yeah. For, I don't think I've seen tapeworm or some of the bigger worms as of yet. I don't know if I've seen pinworms show up either. Um, but theoretically, maybe I would use other stuff. I know a lot of practitioners rave about it. There's a mucana, no. Cellcore uh, is the brand. Cellcore, hold on, I'm lo- literally looking it up right now. Um, Cellcore has a product called Para One and Para Two, so Parasite. Um, oh yeah, Para One is a Mumosa pudica seed, uh, and suppose here's what they say on their website. Ready? Para One is Cellcore's flagship immune and digestive support product. Made from Mimosa pudica seed, this fat-soluble supplement has the ability to deliver tangible, visible results. In the digestive tract, Mimosa pudica seeds become jelly-like and stick- sticky as it scrubs the gut and grabs unwanted elements in the digestive tract. I don't know about that, but the idea is that it's kind of sticky 
and it binds to the parasites. And I have talked to other practitioners who say that they've had patients take this for like a month and they literally poop out worms and they can see. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I haven't experienced that. I played with it a little bit. I wasn't really impressed when I tried to use it with a handful of patients. Um, But, you know, theoretically, maybe that would be something useful for like a big honking worm, for example. Mm. Um, But Mm. again, depending, you know, if it was something like tapeworm, I would have to look up the efficacy of like a dewormer drug. But that's probably something where I would just say, take the three days of the medication and just be done with it. And then we can work on the diversity and the leaky gut and all of that stuff after the fact. Um, But I've heard people say that this product is good. I just haven't seen anything crazy from it myself. Um, Right. The the other thing that I think is pretty commonly used, um, you know, in like the the functional medicine space is that if you look at a lot of products. So, for example, um, oh, gosh, what is it called? Hold on. There's a product called GI Microbe X. Are you familiar with that one? Mm -hmm. So it's from Designs for Health. And if you take a gander at it, the ingredients on this, this was formulated primarily to be an anti-parasitic, although people sell it as like an anti-everything support product. Like, oh, if you've got SIBO, take this. If you have dysbiosis, take this. Um, I don't use it a ton. It has tribulus, uh, caprylic acid, berberine, uh, beerberry, black walnut, barberry, and artemisin, uh, which is sweet wormwood. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the anti-parasitic blends you'll see will contain wormwood, but I forget now we should have, we should ask Thomas another time when we have him on again. Um, I think if I remember correctly, wormwood artemisian, is it very effective for GI parasites? That's mm-hmm. really more for like malaria, like the types of parasites that get into the blood. And it's what I vaguely remember from an herbal conference or an herbal seminar was that artemisian is more useful and much more well-researched for things like malaria and bloodborne pathogens mm. as opposed to GI-based pathogens. But it's ah. it's curious because basically every anti-parasitic <laughs> supplement product will have artemisian in it. Right. Which I kind of, I don't know, maybe it's serving some other purpose. Maybe it's immunomodulatory and maybe that's why they're sticking it in there. Um, but if you see black walnut powder or artemisia, that's usually a dead giveaway that it's an anti-parasitic based formula. Um, mm-hmm. This one looks a little bit broad because it's got the berberine, it's got the bayberry, it's got caprylic acid. So it's a little bit of everything. It's kind of a kitchen sink product. Right, um, right. But theoretically, maybe this would be helpful for somebody, a product like this. Yeah, no, again, I, I actually like GI Microbax. I will say too, um, I think Integrative Therapeutics has a, mm-hmm. a supplement called Paragard. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, like it's a yeah. blend of different antimicrobials. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think almost pairing it with things like certain I know there's been a few studies on some probiotics that could be beneficial for parasites as well. Um, yeah. I think in particular to things like SBRD has shown some efficacy. Some of the lactobacillus strains have shown some efficacy for for um, certain parasites. Yeah. Um, if you have a big nasty infection like Giardia or something, who knows if it'll do a, a, the trick on its own. You probably might need some bigger guns than that. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, there has been some evidence that those have been helpful. And like, f- to your point, if there's dysbiosis at play, ravaging things after a Giardia infection, then 
you know, it makes sense that doing things that are going to help the environment stabilize like a, a probiotic would be beneficial. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, some of the blasto stuff. And again, I keep bringing it up because it's just like the one that I feel like people are very gung ho about, like mm-hmm. going all in with. And again, I just don't necessarily see that being the case. Uh, I've certainly mm-hmm. seen blasto on people's stool tests and they do perfectly fine um, <clears throat> working on other things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that it's, it's interesting. The worm situation, I'm not sure. I can't remember a situation where that showed up on on the GI map for me. Is that something that came up a decent amount for you? Or It's come up a handful of times at least. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, well, I shouldn't say nice. That's probably not fun to it, Well, it deal, depends. Deal with um, I remember, worms. Well, I remember one lady, she had, um, I think it, it was one of the hookworms. I think old world hookworm. Um and I remember we talked about it. She was totally skeezed out. Uh, yeah. Just like, ooh, ooh. Right. And we joked about it a little bit because I was like, well, everybody loves a smoking gun, right? Right. You got a smoking gun. Let's work on this. She's like, okay. It was like three days of an antiparasitic dewormer and you'll you'll probably be in better shape and then we'll work on other stuff. She's like, okay. So eventually she kind of morphed from being totally skeezed out like, ooh, to, okay, no, this this could be kind of a good thing, because at least it's easy-peasy to get rid of. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it can be a good and a bad thing. I know for me, it made a lot of sense when I got that test result back in, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this this explains some stuff. Right. Um, I think, it, I kind of wish that back in the day that I had also done a SIBO test, because I kind of hypothesized I had SIBO at the same time. Um, but either way, whatever I did, to treat my gut worked marvelously. Yeah. Um, and I did do some antiparasitic herbs and antibacterial stuff and healed the gut and um, probably quite a bit else that I can't think of right now because it was 10 years yeah. ago. But, but yeah. Nice. Um, let me ask you this. What about, let's, let's paint a picture. If somebody came to you and they were like, look, man, I've got parasites. I just know it. How would you go about testing them? Probably. <laughs> do you think probably the GI map would be your go-to? Maybe. Uh, again, I, it depends on their relationship probably to their provider, maybe their primary care provider. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they could do parasite testing through what you were saying, LabCorp. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that a GI map would be something that would be easy for me to run, probably a little bit more expensive for them than running, like, a, a LabCorp test. Be surprised though. That's something really? I just started recently. Yeah, I had something. Now I don't know. I don't know if this woman has particularly crappy insurance, right? Or you know, I don't know if this is a fluke or if this is the norm and nobody else has told me about it. But I had a woman recently where we ran. Um, usually, if I do stool testing through LabCorp, I'm hunting for pathogens. So right. usually, I'll do. Uh, they have a PCR based stool profile and it's mostly looking at pathogenic bacteria it's very similar to the first page of the gi right actually um so i'll usually do that and an ova and parasite exam all all from the same sample and sometimes i'll throw on you know elastase or some other marker 
But I had somebody recently who said that if the insurance decides to not cover that LabCorp stool test, it's 700 bucks. Oh my gosh. So in that regard, you could get a GI map for like 350 Right. Or maybe less, depending on your insurance, if you have out-of-network benefits. So actually, I'm kind of going to shift a little bit. The thing is, I had gravitated away from doing the GI map because I had there was so many stupid asterisks where I was like, right. oh, they say you have good bifido, but and then I had to explain why their bifido levels right. might not tell us as much. Or like, oh, they say your acromancia is fine, but, and the fecalobacterium is fine, but, and I just, I was like... I was making up excuses and trying to explain so much of what I think the GI map does incorrectly that I finally was like, I can't run this test anymore. But what I will say is I do think the GI map is pretty good at assessing for parasites and pathogenic bacteria. And there's it, like I said, I don't know if this lady, her insurance not covering it was a fluke or I don't know if maybe nobody's insurance has covered it and nobody's ever told me. I don't know. But Either way, I think I might start tapping into the GI map a little bit. And then I'll just, I'll probably have like a little bit of a handout or a video that I give patients (laughs) where it's like, all right, here are, here are the things that this test does well. Here's what it doesn't do well. And then I'll have to pair it with another test, like a 16S test or Somogen so that we still get that, that nice overview of what the ecosystem looks like. Because I don't think we can rely on the GI map for like bifido levels, for example. Right. Um, but it does seem to do a decent job of parasite testing. And I think I might tap into that a little bit more in the right. future. Um, the one and only downside I could see to the GI map as far as testing is that to your point, where the parasite is at the life cycle might influence the test. Mm-hmm. So at least back in the day, I know when I was using doctor's data for theirs, they would, if you wanted to do parasitology, it would be a three day collection. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What I will say is interesting. So I pulled up a result here. On a LabCorp, OVA, and Parasite exam, when it comes back negative, they will say, uh, final report, these reports, or these results were obtained using wet preparations and, oh, hold on. That doesn't matter. Uh, results. No OVA, cysts, or parasite seen. One negative specimen does not rule out the possibility of a parasitic infection. Right. So LabCorp even puts that little disclaimer like, hey, man, you could totally still have something. We don't know. It's just, you know, it's like it it lowers the likelihood, right? Right. But it's not a complete, yeah, I could check this off with one single stool test. So I will say um, I've had some, it's rare, but I've had at least a couple of patients, one lady comes to mind, where we were otherwise convinced she had a parasite. And usually the thing that motivates me to think that is high eosinophils. If I okay. see elevated eosinophils on a blood work panel, like I think this lady had like 30% eosinophils. Mm. It's parasites until proven otherwise. And I think yeah. we did one or two stool tests through LabCorp and it didn't turn up with anything. And we ended up doing a bit of treatment for parasites with like a broad anti-parasitic blend just to kind of see where we would get. And I do think it helped lower her eosinophils a bit. Now, granted, like eosinophils can go up for other reasons, but their big job, their their big reason why they tend to go up is parasites. So I will say that is, you know, the people on the IBS forums and the SIBO forums who are like, I have a parasite. I just know it. 
like I'm usually very uncompelled to think that. But if somebody comes in and they have sky high eosinophils and yeah. I can't find any other reason why the eosinophils might be elevated, I'm kind of thinking it's parasites. In which case, I'm just going to chalk it up to a false negative on the test and I'm probably just going to treat for it and see what happens. Right. If right. you treat for the parasite and then the eosinophils come down, that that's that's telling. Yeah. Yeah. I would go with it. So, for sure. Yeah. There, I mean, there have been cases, but it's few and far between. Right. And I think that's the hard part because it's like there definitely are true cases where parasites are causing a lot of problems. Yeah. But then there's like so much hype and noise about parasites that can get people all fired up and convinced. And yeah. it's so it's like our jobs as practitioners get a little bit trickier to wade through the actual evidence, the yeah. presentation of the symptoms to see if this really makes sense. Is this an area that is worthwhile to explore? Um, yeah. So it, it is a juggling act, I think, on our end. Yeah. Well, we never we never want to appear like we're being dismissive. Right. Right. Like right. if somebody comes to us and says, I just know I have parasites. We don't want to be the asshole who's like, no, you don't. You're crazy. Right. Like, that that doesn't serve either of us. Right. So right. you want to have a dialogue and be truthful and like give your your, you know, credentialed opinion of like, you know, maybe let's do some testing. Right. Let's, you know, let's try to put the puzzle pieces together. But I, I do think, yeah, I think it's, it's tricky. I have had, I have had some patients who were utterly convinced that they had a parasite. And when I told them that I really, really, truly did not think that was the case, they stopped working with me. It's like, yeah. all right, you keep hunting for that one magical provider who will say, yes, you have a parasite. I believe you. Let's nuke it. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to serve you, but I hope it does. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, be aware of people's biases. Um, I theoretically could have turned into the queen of parasites, right? Like, because I had two parasites yeah. and then I treated my gut, which included some antiparasitic herbs among others. And I got better. So I could have turned into the poster child screaming it from the rooftops. And I could have turned into this, like, you know, almost religious person that everybody has parasites. Mm. Everybody needs to kill the parasites. OMFG. But I didn't, thankfully. But I think yeah. there are providers and there are people out there. You know, it's like, and I've seen this in the SIBO world, people who have SIBO, not always, but sometimes they think everybody has SIBO. Right. Everybody, everybody. Like, oh, you have SIBO, you have SIBO, you have SIBO. Right. Even if it's a, like unrelated, like, oh, you have you have Hashimoto's and literally no digestive symptoms, you have SIBO. It's like, well, calm, calm down. Yeah. And similarly... You know, the parasite, the people who were helped by parasite work sometimes will turn into the, oh my God, everybody has parasites preachers and people with Lyme disease will mm -hmm. go on to become the everybody has Lyme disease people. And it's like, well, no, they don't. So it's, you got to be careful. It's a slippery slope and people get really, really, really passionate about the things that helped them right. and that might skew their vision of the truth. So like, I know there's a, an influencer on Instagram. She's a functional MD, I believe. And I followed her for like a couple weeks or a month or something. I'm not on Instagram much, but um, I, I just, I was like, eh, I don't really jive with most of her posts. She has a tremendous following, 
But I was like, I don't know, not really my jam. And uh, the friend who suggested I follow this person, I finally told her, I was like, yeah, I had to unfollow her. Like, she seems like she thinks everybody has parasites. Like, I don't buy that. And then lo and behold, my friend was like sending me pictures like, yeah, I think you're right. And this MD did this whole, you know, the series about like, it's the full moon. This is the best time to kill parasites. Everybody has parasites. So everybody needs to do a parasite cleanse. And I'm like, no, they don't. Right. right. Stop freaking people out. You have thousands or millions of people following you on Instagram. Stop it. Stop it. They are respecting your medical opinion. You're a medical doctor. Stop telling them lies that everybody in the world has parasites because it's just not true. And you're freaking people out. And then they come to you and I and they're like, I have parasites. We all have parasites. And we have to right. be the ones who are like, ah, that influencer was wrong. I'm sorry. It's, right. Well, yes. and I think you're right. Even in the SIBO space, it reminds me of like the the percentage that get thr- gets thrown around a lot for like 80% of people with IBS have SIBO. I mean, I think mm. that's pretty high from my mm. personal opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing with with SIBO, like everyone has SIBO or everyone with IBS has SIBO and it's just Mm -hmm. not true. Um, and I think in your case, the, all we need to tell people is not to drink Creek water. Don't drink the Creek water. Don't drink the Creek water (laughs) or you're going to get that. What's your parasites name? Um, cryptosporidium and parasite detected taxonomy unknown. Well, no, we renamed it the river. Oh, the yes, Greek. the Tanawanda, the Tanawanda parasite. Yes. yes, the Tanawanda parasite. So yes, as long as you're not someone that was sipping the creek water, like sipping Nikki. Yes, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I think that it's, it's a tricky space to operate in. Because obviously, if you're on a gut journey, you don't feel good. No. And I remember, like during my SIBO journey, a level of desperation at times of like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's a heavy metal issue. Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I have so many, like, I'm like, so you go down a rabbit hole when yep. you're desperate, like every month I felt like during my journey. And yep. I was like, oh, I found like, it's my thyroid. I know it. Like, and I then you, it. I'm low iodine. I'm low, low iodine. It's, yeah. that's it. And, and it's interesting because I had a client yesterday and we were talking she was telling me about some previous providers that she worked with too and it like one of her previous providers told her all she had to do was sit in a sauna for two hours a day and she would be healed gosh but it's this and i i had she hydrates right i had to chuckle but um it was i mean it's that sort of mentality of like oh it's the one thing what you're talking about. It's, I just have to find that one thing. And, and I feel like getting out of the mentality that it was one thing really helped me move forward in my gut health journey, because you can see different angles of, oh, maybe I do have a a suboptimal thyroid, but I also have, um, a dysbiotic gut that I have to work on. Mm -hmm. And I also have, a a stress management issue that I have to work on. And I also, my circadian rhythms are disrupted. Like, so it really has to become about covering your bases and not finding the base or the thing. Yeah. The silver bullet. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like conventional medicine has kind of trained us in that way. All of us, if you grew up in the developed world, quote unquote, then you will have some of this mindset. Even me, like I, I am in this integrative, functional, holistic space for a living. And I still catch myself thinking in like an allopathic reductionist way sometimes. Right. But I'm trying to like, you know, you try to snap out of it. But, you know, conventional medicine has taught us that we have to look for the broken thing. and Then we have to try to fix or remove the broken thing. And it's taught us that we can take a pill and then feel better within 20 minutes or certainly within a couple of days. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't feel better within a couple of days, you need to double the dose of the pills. So it's like, it, it doesn't really train you to think about your healthcare from a holistic perspective when you grow up with that, um, right. that kind of mentality. So it's, you know, we all have a little bit of that, I think, but it's a matter of kind of pulling yourself out of the matrix and realizing that you were in the matrix all along. Um, and realizing, I hate to say this, but again, like the, the blessing and the curse of the internet, there's mm-hmm. a lot of great information and there's a lot of bullshit information. There's a lot of parasite cleanses and weird shit. There are influencers on Instagram who have medical degrees who are telling people that every single person has parasites, which is absolute hogwash. And like, it's just, you've got to vet who you're listening to and what you're investing in. Even testing. um, I don't know if you've had people approach you about this, but I've had maybe one or two patients um, or people mention this to me that there's a parasite testing lab, you mail in your stool sample. And it's, it's this like older gentleman, he's either an MD or a PhD or an MD PhD. But it's this older gentleman, and he's been doing parasite testing for eons and eons. And he has his own company. And if you, if you send in your stool sample, he will look for parasites. And he finds parasites on everybody. And I'm like, automatically i think it's horse manure then right i'm sorry if you're telling me with a straight face that every single sample you see has parasites i think you are absolutely off your rocker i'm sorry i don't believe it it sounds too good to be true and it's just it's giving people a reason to continue down this rabbit hole and invest more time and effort and thought and money into this idea that oh my god i have a parasite that's the thing holding me back oh my god it's once I fix that one thing, I'll be miraculously healed. But supposedly there's a lab, I believe, based on the West Coast somewhere. And this this guy who has decades of experience finds parasites on literally everybody. And I'm like, <laughs> at the time or two that that's been brought up, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so then my, my snarky question then would be, all right, so why would you bother sending in a sample to the guy? You know he's going to find a parasite. Right. Don't waste 200 bucks or 300 bucks. You know he's going to find a parasite. So just treat yourself with a parasite and be done with it then. Why would you bother sending in a sample if literally everybody has parasites? Like, don't waste Right. right. Anyway. Maybe the, the MD Instagrammer that you're speaking of is using his lab, which then oh. makes her think that everyone has parasites. Maybe. I think I solved the puzzle. There we go. It is a tangled web we weave. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, there's a lot of 
good things out on the internet and good people putting out good information. <laughs> IBS Freedom Podcast. <laughs> but there's also, I don't know, there's there's a lot of misinformed people or people who have a vested interest. Like, you know, it it makes that lab money if they can convince everybody that they all need their fancy parasite test. That's a good money-making proposition. If you can make people paranoid and scared and convince them that they absolutely have a parasite and you are the only test that they should ever, ever do for parasites and don't test, don't trust any other test, it's a pretty good money-making model you got there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the person's crooked, but it sounds like either they are misinformed or crooked or something in between because I'm calling bullshit on that. I don't think that everybody has parasites, no matter what that particular lab is going to sell me yeah but yeah if you have something on the gi map if you have something on lab corp um even like genova genova has the um oh what is it called the gi effects and their mm-hmm. parasite testing is pcr based um i feel like doctor's data might even have a pcr parasitology test now um i think as long as you select one of those labs that does like parasite testing via pcr I'd be pretty comfortable with whatever those results are. If you're really, really suspicious, then bust out a couple hundred bucks more and do a second one. There's no law saying that you can't do multiple GI map samples. You could do a GI map every day for a month for all I care. It's just going to be a lot of your money. But, you know, if you're really convinced, you might consider doing two or even three of something like a GI map or a GI effects or doctor's data to get a really thorough picture. But, yeah, I I don't know. I think that there's a lot of hype and a lot of untruth in the world of parasites. There are people who have them. I was one of right. them, but I don't think it's the norm. I don't think it's super, super, super common. Um, and again, if you actually lean on the conventional medical world a little bit, you can actually have a pretty effective kill rate in a very short amount of time with a dewormer or an antiparasitic drug potentially. So this is one yeah. area where I might actually consider conventional medicine above the herbal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's my summary. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. Wow, we did good on this one, too, with length yeah. of time. We always joke, dear dear viewers, we always joke that, oh, this is going to be a short one. And then <laughs> we record the episode, and it's like an hour and 20 minutes has gone by. And we're like, oh, no, not at oh, all. Time to wrap it up. Time to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah. Well, it's we enjoy talking to each other so much. You You get to... Okay, let's think. They call it a bromance if it's two dudes who are hitting it off. What, what do you call it if it's maybe a womance? A womance, like yes. Yeah, you guys get to just be a part of this womance as Amy and I develop our relationship more and more completely. And we talk about things like poop and parasites and SIBO and everything in between. But um, yes. but yeah, we just we get caught up in talking to each other. So we record we these, nice, these nice, long, juicy podcast episodes for you because we just can't be torn away from each other. And I also wanted to give you props for using the term hogwash, which yes, it's been a couple minutes since one. you used it. But I just wanted to give you some props. It's a good, one. It's a good Thank word. You. Thank you. Um, you know, what one of my favorite words is randomly. What? Caddy wampus. Oh, yeah. You've told me that before. Oh. It's such a good word. It's yes. hard to really like fit it into everyday life. So sometimes I just have to bring it up like this, but it is such a good word. Yes, I love it. Just underrated. Yes, underrated. for sure. All right. Well, uh, 
I think I got nothing else for parasites. I don't think you have anything else for parasites. Um, I do not. I mentioned, let's see, we talked about eosinophils. Oh, just let me let me rabbit trail one more time on the eosinophil thing, because this mm-hmm. is related to parasites. Yeah. Um, here's the mental framework of why I've had a couple of patients with crazy high eosinophils and we ended up treating for parasites. I, generally speaking, trust the body more than I trust our conscious minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, our perception of reality could get warped and, distent- and distorted, not distended. Um, and sometimes we miss things because we're only human. But I want to give benefit of the doubt that the body knows what's up and it's trying to send us signals and it's trying to do the right thing. So with the eosinophils, it's like, all right, if your body is cranking out 30% eosinophils, who am I to disagree? Right. Your body seems pretty well convinced that you have a parasite. Let's see what happens. Let's let's go after it. And then I'll do, you know, empiric treatment for the parasite. But it's I, I do think that in conventional medicine, and to some extent in functional medicine, there's this attitude of like, oh, the body is wrong. Let me fix this. Or the immune system is wrong. Or the immune system is misbehaving. Let's fix it. It's like, you can try to suppress the eosinophils in this example, but like if you really do have a parasite, your efforts are going to be thwarted and the eosinophils are just going to bump right back up until you get rid of the parasite. So it's like you can play the games trying to balance the immune system or suppress the eosinophils, but you need to treat the root of why the eosinophils are elevated. And again, until proven otherwise, I'm usually thinking it's probably a parasite. Or really wicked, really, really profound GI-based inflammation. That can happen too. Sometimes they'll go up a little bit in like allergenic conditions and like histamine stuff. But I'm talking, you know, like 5%, 6%, not 30%. Yeah. So if I'm seeing anything above like, I mean, honestly, anything above like 8% eosinophils, I'm starting to really think parasites until proven otherwise. And honestly, even if we prove otherwise, I'm still probably going to treat for parasites. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of, it's nice if we could get a lab test result where we can identify the thing and then we could use that to go get a prescription or target it more accurately. But like, I don't know. If the immune system is convinced you have a parasite, who am I to disagree? With right. my smarty pants, know it all brain? Nah, let's just believe the immune system and run with it. I don't know. I, like, I, I believe agree. you. I believe you, eosinophils. So try to help the body out, help the immune system out when it is sending out that mayday SOS whenever you can. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. It's worth. Well, guys, I think we have exhausted our brains of all that is parasite. So in closing, I would say parasites are out there. It's not that I'm a denier. It's just I do think that a lot of people think it's the Holy Grail. And it's like this, this silver bullet that has so much promise and potential. And I just don't know if it's the answer for the vast majority of people listening to this podcast. I think that there's a much higher likelihood that you're dealing with bacterial dysbiosis, yeast-based dysbiosis, leaky gut, poor vagal tone, you know, gut brain axis, stress kind of stuff. I think that there's a lot more likelihood that those things are going on as opposed to the Holy Grail of the parasite. But Mm -hmm. you could always do a GI map or two or three and try to confirm or deny that. Look at your white count, um, but don't don't hang your hat on the parasite thing. 
if there's not a really good reason to do so. Um, and then, like I said, you've got natural options, you have prescription options, you have a whole world of potential things that you could do to try to nuke the parasite if you find one, um, and then clean up the dysbiosis and the leaky gut after the fact, because it's almost certainly going to be there. And as always, you guys know the drill. If you could give us a five-star rating on iTunes, give the video a like, a comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you could share one of these videos or one of the podcast episodes, or just drop the name of the podcast in one of your IBS or SIBO groups or gut healing groups, that would be so, so wonderful. I want to get this information out to the people who really need it the most. And as always, we will see you on the next episode of the IBS Freedom Podcast. Goodbye, my darling. Until next time. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>